Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the second part of our full interview with Bruno Meado, where we discuss opportunities and challenges arising from the shifts in payment trends. In the episode of today, expect to learn how have changes in technology and regulations affected treasurers in the payments world over the past few years? How should treasurers approach treasury and group-wide transformations and what role do they play in the process? How can treasurers effectively advocate for and build a business case for treasury and group-wide transformations to their leadership? And like always, much, much more. This episode is a must listen. We loved discussing with Bruno about the latest changes in the payment industry and clearly there is a lot to take away. We hope you will enjoy the episode. If that is the case, and when you're thinking about how you found our podcast, chances are that it was through word of mouth, social media, or a recommendation from your favorite podcast platform. And this is our only request to you. The best way you can support the podcast is to head to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Corporate Treasury 101. That will mean the world to us and help more people learn about treasury. And with all that being said, please welcome Bruno Meado. Go back to one of Guillaume's earlier questions. There's a lot of things in payments happening around the same time. Yes. So how do all those concepts link with each other? So what's the what's 2030 going to look like for as a I relate it back to treasurers again. As a treasurer, I have to make payments and I have to receive payments. I have to do them on time. I want them predictable. As you mentioned earlier, I'll have invoicing to handle as well. Make sure that system is up to date. That's correctly working with my ERP, my procurement team is involved, my tax team is involved. What does 2030 look like for treasures? What's the new normal going to be? Okay. Um, I think it's uh, important to know that first, before I get to 2030, it's about the transformation journey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the transformation journey is going is to be painful, but it can be exciting. And I still believe it's a great opportunity for treasurers to put themselves at the center of their corporation, to not be on the back seat, but to actually be part of the strategy of the company. And, uh, and I see that happening in some treasuries. So it is possible, but still is not most of treasury is part of treasury. Um, so if I think about 2030, the question should start not from treasury, but from which, uh, which are our sales targets, which are our uh, new segments, which are the which is which is a way in which we will increase sales. In fact, that that's reflection number one. Uh, reflection number two is uh, what's my role towards my suppliers. Uh, we've seen a change as well of geopolitical uh, changes in terms of where am I going to be producing. A requirement to have parallel supply chains, uh, which means oftentimes different currencies because when you are in Asia, you may want to have another location somewhere else a bit farther away from Asia to have a double continuity of, of uh, supply chains. So uh, I think it, the discussion starts always with your supply chain strategy, your sales strategy, um, and then you can engage into, okay, how am I going to get paid and how am I going to pay? Mm -hmm. And that's where the treasury comes in. So to get paid, how can I help the sales to 
increase the uh, chances to get paid, certainly with the least amount of cost and supporting my clients. I'll give you one example. Some of our clients come with uh, generally an objective of 20%. I don't know why 20%, 20% increase sales by providing short-term financing. It's, it's something that is a lot today in the agenda. And basically it says, uh, if my client is having a hard time during these tough, tough times, inflation and uh, economic downturn, uh, if I give him 30 days or 60 days to pay me back after they got paid by their own customer, they'll likely buy more from me. So I can differentiate myself. I can support them in their business. And by the way, the financing can be uh, improved. Uh, the cost of financing can be improved for them. In the world of data, you are able to uh, validate that they are typical clients that pay on time. You're doing uh, generally one financing at a time. So you're not engaging yourself into huge amounts of financing. You go sale by sale. So you're able to see that the clients are paying uh, previous sales. And, and so they come to us in the banking sector to help them to put in place these kind of programs, which include sales. So sales in the lead. Normally there's a techie guy trying to look at the website to see how to integrate that option. And they say, I want one single API. Okay, you want one single API and there you go. <laughs> and then comes treasury to say, well, I want to receive this with this pricing and with this information. And I want to uh, either sell this invoice to factoring or I want to finance myself part of that. And this is where as well the financing strategy comes into place where the treasurer can, can help. And the treasurer gets a benefit of more predictability going back to that is I am getting paid always when I want to be paid. If I give this to factoring, I know when I'm going to get the money in my account. So I have ability to do better cash flow forecasting and, 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 and improve the working capital. So the trend for 2030 should be what's my strategy of sales, uh, which new segments I want to reach, which new markets, which new currencies strategy for 2030 should be as well on the supplier side. Do I want to finance my suppliers? My suppliers have to build two more factories because they have to face new geopolitical changes. Do you want to help your suppliers to um, uh, get some help from you in terms of financing to cope with this difficult time of having to rebuild the supply chain? And again, you go back, how can I finance them? There's supply chain finance topics as well, but simply as well choosing the delay of terms. There's a regulation coming into Europe about terms. <laughs> in, in 2025, 2026. It's far from that, but still it's, it's uh, by the time you read this poor podcast, maybe the regulation is already there. Uh, nevertheless, uh, financing is a question about the relationship that you have with your suppliers and your, and your clients, right? Mm -hmm. So again, is it a treasury topic? Maybe. Uh, should it interest the treasurer so that he can help his counterparts? Yes, I think it does. This trend about uh, helping your customers with the short-term finance to increase sales, just quickly touch on that. Has that, so that's the target. Like, ha have you seen that actually working? And if so, I'm guessing certain industries are more, it works better in certain industries than others, just the dynamics of certain industries. Yes, absolutely. So um, I think it's a growing trend and which started in B2C. So again, remember my story about B2C, B2B. So in B2C, Klarna and all these companies, and now we, we bought as well one of these companies called Floa in BNP Paribas, 
this is the uh, trend of financing consumers when they buy from businesses. Uh, and so that exists and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's growing quite, quite a lot. And then when it comes to businesses, there, especially small professionals, again, they are asking for the same. The advantage of small professionals is that you have data of them. These are repeat customers. They're coming to buy goods from you. Then you're actually able to help them to uh, come back to you and to order again and create that fidelity uh, topic. It is a reality, but it still is, I think, in very early stages. I give you one example. So when you have equipment uh, manufacturers, your PC, for example, these type of companies are selling online to you as an individual, but you as a, cons as a business, you still want to have the option to pay three times or to pay in a leasing format or to pay with a loan. And so this is where the financing options have to be embedded in the digital strategy. And not only do you get the financing online, but you have to send or receive the collection from that at the term when you expect it to be paid, right? And so that trend is there. We get a lot of requests from clients. I mean, I'm working on more than 20 client cases right now. And uh, what's interesting is that some of them have an, uh, uh, a large uh, RFP with several parties and then they realize the magnitude of this change and they say, well, let's put it on hold. I want to rethink where do I want to start? <laughs> let's start small. That happens quite often, by the way. Right. Um, others, they actually do this to learn. So they do RFIs and they say, I want to see the whole set of things. Mm -hmm. And then they say, well, let's start by a small piece, right? So this is the trend right now, but I think the more uh, companies start to be the first adopters, the faster the competition will follow because they say, well, if they're offering all these types of financing on their page for businesses, I want to follow the same, right? Mm -hmm. And um, especially if they have a strong B2C business and they want to, uh, to include the businesses in, in, in the mix. But it's financing, it's payments, it's, uh, it's sales. That's really the mix. Um, yeah, what else? Yeah, but remember that in B2B, you always have the thing that the person who's buying on the website mm -hmm. may be the one deciding to buy, but you still will get paid by a separate team, which is managing the accounting or the accountant or the... Or, or the so mm -hmm. one evolution we have in the payments landscape, which is very important, and we are issuing a statement on this in Europe is uh, something we call SEPA request to pay. And it could be a request to pay just to call it short because it should exist not just on SEPA. But that's the idea that when you send an invoice, in fact, it's like you when you go fishing, you send the bait, but you want the rod to bring back the payment, right? So request to pay is a message that shares pretty much the same data as an invoice or a subset of that data it gets to you and you re receive in your ERP the uh, reference to that invoice and it asks you, do you agree to pay? Mm -hmm. So when you respond, yes, I agree. I know that you agree with the invoice, which is yeah. step number one, I remove commercial risk. It's cheaper to finance. Step number two is to be paid in 30 days. It goes into your system to be paid in 30 days. And step number three, you pay after three days, and guess what? The references that are in the request to pay are taken into the payment, 
and then able to receive a payment that I can reconcile uh, directly. So this message is the only thing that exists that links payment and invoice. And remember, uh, the invoice is received by one and approved by one person, but the payment is sent from another thing. So it's a way to keep these two things uh, connected. Yeah. Now it will require all banks to implement it. So it's not going to be, let's say, a, a fast uh, evolution, but it's certainly one that we are uh, pushing at BNP Paribas with other banks because it creates efficiency in the way we manage risk, the way we manage uh, uh, efficiency in the treasury, the, man, the way we manage uh, reconciliations. Bruno, I'm going to have to play the devil's advocate a bit because, so we mentioned all those changes, all the departments involved, um, that you can have a transformation manager that sometimes is voluntarily designated um, and can be the treasurer. It's not like treasury teams are not busy already. Uh, as you said, or, uh, as you said at the beginning of the interview, it was to sell lean teams as well. Treasury departments are usually not big. Eventually, with multi-billion uh, dollars company, they are big, but it's not the biggest department of a company, that's for sure. So if I were a treasurer, could I simply not just say, okay, it's, it's all happening, I'm, I'm seeing what's happening and let's see what happens eventually and we'll, we'll cope with it. Or why would I need to be in the center of the transformation if I'm already busy doing my trades, managing my cash, uh, making sure I get paid on time, optimizing for working capital? Like where does that sit into the overall scheme of a day-to-day -day role of a treasurer? Well, every, Company is different. Some are more centralized than others. So I guess there's certain things that are not generic. And if I mentioned how to approach it, it may not be the same for every treasurer. But I would say that in any job, anyone's job, and me as head of payments, if somebody else is making decisions that will make me be upset every day for the next uh, 30, 30 years, <laughs> I prefer to have my say now. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Fair. So as an architect of how treasury works, the treasurer is able to play a functional design authority role, at least, to say how things should be done in terms of relationship towards the sales teams for uh, how you will collect the, the data or the, the data and how do you will receive the payments. And if you are able to tell procurement how to recover the data necessary to make payments, you will have probably a lower cost of ownership of your treasury setup. The issue that we have now at hand is that a lot of changes are happening in the next two, three years. So it's an opportunity because then you're able to uh, combine two, three changes in your end-to-end -end sales to procure chain and try to look for optimization of these changes so that you don't do them twice. And that's a nice story to bring to your management or you're able at least to anticipate these changes and inform your colleagues about possible impacts of what they're doing. I'll give you again an example to be very concrete. Most procurement systems have plans to make payments directly themselves. It makes sense. You receive an invoice, you agree with the invoice, the procurement is agreeing with the invoice. Why not just pay it? You have instant payments, you have cards, but let's just make the payment. Now, when you're taking the lower set of supplier payments, non-strategic, small amounts, actually, why not for treasury? That's great. But once you start getting into the one, two million payments, uh, a bit more consequential, it actually requires the uh, treasurer to have a say, when does he want to pay? When does he want to 
actually uh, in terms of working capital, when is the right time to do them? In terms of currency management, do you really want this to be done with a foreign exchange or do you want to actually use in-house bank type of uh, uh, currency uh, availability? And so it requires to not lose the grip on payments out or not lose the grip on how and when you want to collect uh, from your customers. At the end, you know that the end result is the working capital. So if that is your main job, you have to have a say on how you pay and how you receive. So as much as procurement systems have plans to include payments, sales teams have marketing departments, which are very advanced on solutions where they as well are saying, well, I only want to collect via a specific wallet. Okay, great, but that's not going to hit the treasury, right? So. Mm -hmm. Are you sure you want to do that for large amounts for business to business clients? So I've been in situations where treasurers come with us to meetings with marketing, where marketing has already architected the new uh, e-commerce strategy or marketplaces strategy, but has not really consulted the treasurer as to how they want to collect the funds. Right? Mm -hmm. So the idea is not to find yourself after the fact, but to actually take the lead and be involved early in the process from, from, from these strategies. Yeah, that's, that's what my advice is that I think treasury has an important role to play, safeguarding the working capital, optimizing liquidity, optimizing the use of currencies. Now teams are very small, absolutely. And so what you need to realize is that you need external help. And I think they will realize that, you know, to do this analysis, to work on these projects, you need additional help that is specific. But if you combine two, three projects, it's easier to justify a team than if you only take it one by one, right? So um, that would be my second advice is I think they need to make the case to have a small team to help them to uh, help on the data, help on the architecture, help on the changes. And I would say number three is you do have other changes in the organization that have nothing to do with these trends. Uh, the number of clients that are replacing their ERP or that have plans to centralize, or that have plans to create or better use an in-house bank. So these changes help you make the case to advance a bit more uh, forward and faster those more structural changes. Use them to your advantage. It's the time to do them. And instead of being looking as a cost center, this is your chance to show the value of a, a um, an impactful treasury across uh, sales and procurement and be the partner of those of those teams basically mm -hmm. so that's that's what i um, i suggest you look into as a corporate treasurer it's easier said than done but i'm very hopeful and discussions i've had with uh, several of them in some of the events in, in in france or in spain or in the us is that they realize that new technology out there is allowing their business to do new things and uh, whether it's going from B2C to B2B payments or whether it is to digitalize the way that sales are happening, they are getting involved now in choices about uh, how to do things. But it requires the collaboration between sales, marketing, support, procurement. When it comes to instant payments, it's true that, you know, as much as you have procurement making choices about payments that you may want to have a say on, some examples of some of our uh, clients trying to automate processes have shown that if you integrate an instant payment at the time of an automated process, 
you remove some noise on treasury because then payments are taken care of without having treasury intervene. Claims. Every single business that has to pay claims, if the claim is standard, if the claim has a, a form on the website that allows to request a claim, you're a standard client, you're a known client, it's a standard claim, you, you did something that's in your contract, you can validate that online, put the instant payment API directly, get it done, you don't have to deal with it in your in your treasury, in your back office, or in your systems, right? So yes, you can integrate payments up front, but make sure that you're the one saying these payments, yes, and these payments, I want to have a say on, right? Super interesting. So, you know, walk us through, you gave a few advice already for treasurers on how to embrace that change. Um, earlier in the interview, you mentioned treasurers can be at the forefront of this change and not necessarily take a back seat. Like it's the opportunity to be in the center of the transformation. Can you walk us through that? Like, how do you, how would you advise treasurers on how to embrace that change actually in practical terms? Like, hey, those regulations are coming. Those are things we're going to suffer from if we don't act on it. But it can also be an opportunity. That's the, that's the whole, that's the whole thing behind it. So step by step, what do you do? Do you do a kind of Aziz analysis to say, to start the change, this is how it can impact us, design behind it, business case and so on. How does it actually need to be happening within the treasury department at the head of it when communicating to the leadership? Well, um, I, I'd say that uh, maybe I'll explain you. I'll explain you our journey with Treasury, and and that will probably help to explain how to how we see this happening. We have created a, first a um, thought leadership product that uh, gives a view on what regulation is coming, some use cases, and some best in class treasurers. And we've done this together with SAP, which is the main ERP for most of our customers. PwC, EACT, the European Association of Treasurers, and BNP Paribas, together we build this kind of thought leadership document that allows to give examples. Something else we do is we bring treasurers together at something we call Treasury Board mm -hmm. uh, in countries like in, in, in France, in Switzerland, in Singapore, in the US, or we uh, create an European Treasury Board where we put together treasurers of similar uh, complexities. It's not about segments or, or business lines, but it's more about similar size, complexity of operations. And we deep dive into some of these major changes like e-invoicing, like ISO, like international payments or liquidity management. And we try to reflect on the main pain points and things that have to be solved at treasury level. And that creates as well collective um, intelligence at the end to say, yes, that's actually the real problem. And that creates that notion that something is possible to be done. And if others are doing it, maybe I need to do them. So peer, peer pressure is always uh, useful, or at least comparing yourself with your peer, that's always very useful. And then the next step uh, often is that we are then invited to do, to facilitate workshops at central treasury. Oftentimes it's first with the treasury team because they want to be in better control of the information about, about what's changing. And then, if possible, then with the related teams from marketing or from procurement. What I hear very often is, oh, procurement is very busy. Procurement doesn't have time. Procurement has a transformation program. Procurement is not available. Fine. And so what we need to change is that the treasury has to be able to put this 
in the agenda of the CFO so that they can bring procurement to the table. I'm just generalizing, of course, procurement and treasury in some companies has, have a great relationship, but it is true that oftentimes they don't speak to each other. I met a treasurer last week, an important one in the pharma industry. He doesn't know who's the new responsible for procurement, for example. And, and that I realized that, whoa, that means that there's not just the workshop to be set, but almost the meet and greet relationship <laughs> to do. And on marketing, I mean, you, you, you know that marketing has a different mindset as well. They're trying to sell. They're trying to be very attractive to the customers. That's normal. So what I see is that the last thing they think about is how am I going to get collect the payment? And it's not a criticism. Let me make it clear. <laughs> it is just that as you're thinking about how to sell more, that's your priority number one. How do you get the money from your customer? It's kind of normal that it doesn't come first, right? So um, again, if the treasurer can actually bring more examples from what we bring to the table or other consultants or other banks, I'm just saying that you need to have examples and, and use cases to bring to the CFO to say, maybe we need to put this on the agenda and the corporation that as payments are changing, as um, uh, financing options are changing, we can uh, help marketing, we can help procurement. And the business case, I think, can be done either from the only the treasury benefits of working capital. I predict better capital. Capital is expensive today. I'm going to have more cash flow and I will be able to invest overnight more of what I have because I have better control, better predictability. I think the business case can be today very uh, interesting. And it can be a business case about cost savings across the organization by reducing, of course, the reconciliation, the dunning costs, the, um, uh, the, the, the cost of actually redoing things because you don't have the right data, right? So you can do it in both ways. And last, and this is the silver bullet point, regulation is there. So you're going to have to do it anyways. <laughs> and you're going to have to spend the money anyways. So the question is, can you show that you can spend it smartly by doing two, three changes together as opposed of doing separately? And so this is for me the silver bullet is that you're going to have to go through this anyway. Might as well do it uh, with the right, uh, let's say, order, with the right geographical scope, with the right organization already, as opposed to doing it first on a decentralized and then have to redo it on a centralized organization or first in my old version of ERP, and then in my new version of ERP, you see? So I think the business case, depending on which company you are, which maturity level of organization you are, can be adapted. But in all cases, my advice is that with the amount of change coming our way, the more you can look at it in a master plan, the better it is for your future business and the better it is for your, for your corporation as a whole. I love that, Bruno. If I were to summarize, Acknowledging the change, and we're going to go through it in a minute, but like typically the things you do at BNP Paribas helps that. Thought leadership, think tanks, or how to, like informing yourself on what is happening, regulation-wise, but also what your peers do, what your peers do, sorry, is a great way to start because this is happening. This is the start of it. Liaise with the relevant departments. If you struggle to, make sure to put this on the top of the agenda of the CFO. I was going to ask you, how do you actually do that? Because if tax department and procurement department are busy, so is the CFO, but definitely by 
showing how much not taking action could cost and making a benefit case. That's how you eventually put it on the CFO's agenda because they are interested into how to save substantial amount of money. The marketing points, so you have to see the bullet at the end, it's going to happen anyway. So embrace it now and plan for it rather than just it being a suffer. Exactly. Suffer from it. How do you, because marketing wise, it's not only that it's not their first consideration. It can even add friction to the sales. Like if you say, okay, you need to pay us, but pay us via this following those payment terms. And we do not support this format. That's actually adding friction to the sales cycle. So it's even harder to, well, close the sale, close the deal. So how do you find the right balance on how to approach marketing departments and bring to their attention these kind of considerations? Yeah, no, but that's an excellent point. So there's a new trend of new players trying to exactly do exactly that, saying, uh, I'll simplify your user journey. I'll make sure there's less friction and I'll be able to integrate behind all these payment complexity that is and financing complexity and I'll make life easier. So it's a very powerful marketing speech towards marketing departments. But if we look at uh, the real data from our analysis at BNP Paribas, it only is my view. I see that payments coming from these actors are 16 times more expensive than what we provide to treasury. And the financing is three times more expensive than what the banks provide to treasury. So to cut the story short, if payments and financing is done through treasury and the bank existing relationship, you have a very good business case. But of course, the question is how to work with the players that are very good at digital integration in the marketing to do the customer journey that goes well, while at the same time benefits benefit from the payments and the financing from other players that provide you a lower cost of, of, uh, of, of transactions and, and, and financing and, and wider financing, because again, you can have factoring, leasing, uh, personal finance. Uh, and, and so those bread of options are, are available and structurally banks today have lower cost of financing. That's just uh, the way that the economic economies is structured. Yeah. And, and that has, that is a business case in itself, basically. So, Tangibly, there are benefits at working with Treasury for the marketing department to lower the total cost of the transaction and to increase predictability for Treasury so that they can invest overnight. You see, it, it just right. builds on the business case can just build on, build on, build on. Mm -hmm. And the cost of doing this while you have to comply with one of these regulations that touches the client or the supplier. Yeah. Make so in, in, a, in, in the end, uh, the question is how to put it all together. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next difficulty.